The Courage to Lead, episode 180. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Brad Smith. Brad Smith is a founder and CEO of Stellar Insight, providing epiphanies that ignite business growth. Brad has spent over 20 years helping companies pursue growth and excellence through coaching, consulting, facilitation, and strategic planning. He's a skilled business growth consultant, CEO, and executive team coach, facilitator for strategic thinking and planning, and R&D catalyzing. Stellar Insight works with CEOs and companies who are ambitious, curious, and courageous enough to want more insight, more for their company, and more from themselves with less effort. Brad, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, this is awesome. Very cool. So uh, looking at your, uh, your bio, um, what was on your bio? Or maybe it was on your, maybe it was on your website, epiphanies that ignite business growth. What kind of epiphanies have you seen? Can you give an example? Um, for me, coaching my clients is I sit down with them or talk to them on the phone or video. And we go through in the first hour, we literally go through their whole business, all the ups, the downs. And in that process, I'm measuring several things. Who are they? Who are they? What's their character? What's the structure of their character? How often do they do they lie to themselves? Mm. How often do they miss accuracy of gauging the current situation? And how are those built then down into the structure of the organization? So that's what I listen for. Epiphanies are when I can get their thinking to the point where, and I normally know their epiphanies about two weeks before they need to get to them, before they can get to them, sometimes mm. months before. But I only open them up one as, as fast as they can handle it. Yeah. But I've set the stage and kind of done the ground work, if you would, for them to get the epiphanies where their intuition lines up with the situation and their whole world falls into place a little bit better. So my job is to help them go from literally from epiphany insight to insight to insight. I had to rename my company about six years ago. And I realized what I sold when I got right down into the core of it. It took me a couple of months. It's like, what is it I actually sell? I sell insight. Nice. Very cool. All right. We're going to come back and tap into that a little bit more. Um, insight and, like I said, the intuition, which is huge. We need that, more of that in business. We're going to come back, talk about that, how you got your start, who you work with, some of the things you have going on right now. Um, but before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I ask every one of my guests. Uh, okay. listeners, <laughs> listeners know these questions from the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton used to ask these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I always figured if they were good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Brad, if you're ready, I've got 10 questions for you. Let's jump in. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite word? My, so, two of my favorite heroes from my childhood are Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn. And I got two words out of those books from Mark Twain. One was adventure, 
Mm. So adventure is the word to answer your question with. But the second one is bodacious. <laughs> I like bodacious. So that's good. Bodacious. <laughs> if you're bodacious, you're not holding back. Yep. Very cool. All right. What is your least favorite word? Hate. What turns you on? Commitment and growth. Nice. What turns you off? <laughs> I have a quote from Socrates I use these days. It's smart people learn from everyone and everything. Ordinary people learn from their experiences and stupid people already know all the answers. <laughs> and it doesn't mean yes. it doesn't mean that they're actually it, it's an attitude, stupid is, rather than how intelligent they are. Exactly. 100%. Absolutely. Very good. All right. What sound or noise do you love? Hmm. Um, I meditate, have meditated for 26 years, actually more than that, if I add it all up. So there's a, a stillness when you remove your mind, your analytical mind, all words and numbers, when you, there's a stillness. And so my favorite sound is that sound of nothingness inside. It doesn't matter what's going on outside that stillness place. Nice. Very cool. All right. What sound or noise do you hate? Um, I have a short story. Um, it's not a sound. It's more like an attitude. Pulled up to a stop sign. There's four little kids, young boys, waiting at the bus stop there to be picked up by the bus. And I saw one of them pick up a stick and go after a younger, smaller boy. I stopped my car, put on my flashers, got out of the car, and had a conversation with both of them so that that wouldn't happen. Well, I wasn't going to pull up with it. I didn't care if I stopped traffic. I didn't care. That wasn't sure. going to happen. Good deal. Good deal. All right. Uh, question number seven. What is your favorite curse word? F and the rest of it starts. Okay, perfect. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, so I have ambitions for the world, but I am also extraordinarily curious. I have about five hobbies, six hobbies that I study on a regular basis. So if I had the choice and I was starting over, right, I was a chemist, analytical chemist and a formulation chemist. And then I've been doing this, coaching executives. If I had my choice, I would go back and get it a combination, and this would be really weird, a tri-combination of three PhDs, one in macroeconomics, because I love economics, mm -hmm. the other one in, maybe I'd have four, and the other one in a combination of particle physics and cosmology, because they're linked. We're not separate, right? Right. And the other one is maybe a degree in social psychology, because I find that fascinating. Fascinating. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and one of my side hobbies is cultural anthropology. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. Like who we are has been building for the last two or 300 years. Absolutely. 
Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. All right. Um, what profession would you not like to do? I'm done janitor. I'm, I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good job. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> Keep going. There's more. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Very cool. All right. Brad, we're going to come back again, talk about how you got your start, how you got to where you are now, who you work with and how you help them. And at some point, we're going to transition into talking about courage and leadership. Okay. Takes, takes that. All right. Listeners, we will be back right after these messages. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Brad Smith. Brad, thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's good to have you here. Um, Looking at your website, your LinkedIn profile, so I have to kind of get some background on you. I, I saw a quote, you said, getting to the bedrock of what's holding you back. That's one of the things you help business businesses do, CEOs, getting to the bedrock of holding them back. What exactly is holding them back? What's holding back the CEOs? Is it internal forces, external forces, self-made? Is it a combination? Um, everybody has external forces. You wanna grow your company, you don't have enough money. You wanna be active in your company and you don't have enough time. Those are all actually internal issues, not external issues. The market doesn't understand my product. Well, that's a training process mm -hmm. to train our market sometimes. So those are the external ones. The internal ones are, who are you? And how are your long held opinions interfering with you moving forward at the highest level you can? Mm. One of the fun things I have doing with my clients is, here's an example, at dinner with a group of executives, I was taking them through a strategic planning process. And the night of the first day we were together, we'd been mapping out what was possible. And in the middle of the conversation, they had had, so the history was they'd had two new clients a month for the last 10 years, average, right? It came out, you know, 22, 24 new clients a year. And we were rebuilding the process for expanding that. In the middle of the conversation, somebody rolled over the fact that they had access to a thousand new leads a month. And I stopped the conversation and I said, you guys just blew it because you let me know what you can do. Mm. And so by the time I left them, which was another, you know, stopped working with, it was about two years later, we had grown the organization to where they were, they had consistently step by step gotten to the place where they had 50 plus 50 54 was what they had the last month i worked with them 54 wow. new clients and growing wow so what held them back then what why did they stop at just a few um the gentleman that i was working with who was president at the time had taken over from his, the owner two years before 
and had been kind of building into what was possible. So when I connected with him, we, we had that conversation. So Dewey's like, what's going on? What have you been doing? What have you got in mind? You know, who are your team? So we, we changed three <laughs> out of the four top people in the organization within, well, one of them within a week, like gone. And it was his idea. <laughs> You know, and sometimes that's the best thing that can happen. Right? Oh, it was perfect. Absolutely. It was perfect. But people don't understand how brilliant they are. Yeah. People don't understand that if they listened more carefully to the little whispers, you know, we call it gut feel. That's actually mm -hmm. like looking at the top of a, of a mud puddle and only, you know, viewing for intuition. It's, it's like, okay, there's four drops over here. I'm going to listen to these four drops rather than there's this ocean over here that I could go jump into. Right. I want people to understand they can jump into the ocean. They are capable of more brilliance than they have any possibility of understanding. Yeah. And my job is to let them know and say, hey, look, this is going on over here. Aren't you aware of that? Oh, yeah, I am. So what are we going to do with that? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, th I think people are, are ultimately, I mean, infinitely capable but they hold themselves back. And a lot of it is a, that internal dialogue. Do you find people that are afraid of success? Not so very back? Not, not that, not that have the, let's put it this way. It takes courage to call me up and say, Brad, I want to achieve this. And I can't figure out how to do that. Yeah. That's the start of a conversation, but it takes guts to admit you don't have all the answers. Sure. Yeah. That's scary for a lot of, you know, because we're, we're taught growing up as a, as a leader, you have to have all the answers, you have to know how to do things, you have to, you know, and, and direct traffic. And it's, it's not. You don't have to be the best at everything. You have to know how to get the best out of your people. Right. If, you're, if you think of your job as a leader, as a catalyst for excellence, and you strive daily, moment to moment, to be excellent yourself, then you'll get that out of your people job. Um, another quote on your website, it says, once you have committed to a goal deeply enough, if ceases to be, then it's only a matter of when and how. How can you tell when an executive is fully committed to her goal? I mean, what are the signs you're looking for when you're talking to them to show that they're fully committed to this? It, for me, it's a combination of, I read people directly right, from their voice, from looking at them, I can read them directly. Part of it's tone quality, part of it's how they hold their head and body posture, but it's not the actions that tell me, it's the state of being that tells me. Mm. When you're fully committed to something, nothing will get in your way. Doesn't mean you don't have to be brutal about it, right? Yeah. So one of my early stories, and maybe this is jumping ahead, I don't know. That's okay. one, one of the things that transformed my life was a conversation with a doctor at 18. I had developed an ulcerated colon, fall term freshman year at Oregon State. I developed an ulcerated colon, bleeding bad. And the doctor said to me, and this is the quote, gee, Brad, if you'd have waited six weeks to come see me, you'd have bled to death. Okay, he had my attention completely. Sure. And he said, you'll never eat strawberries, corn, or lettuce, or anything with roughage ever again in your life. 
And he had my attention then because my 18-year-old brain said, fat chance, buddy. I ain't doing that. That ain't happening. Then he said something that was profound. You have a psychosomatic disease. Your emotions affect the severity of your symptoms. And in that moment, I made my first full-on 100% commitment. I was going to conquer it. It didn't matter what or when or how or who, right? It wasn't if any longer. It was going to happen. And I didn't know all the answers. I was 18, right? So I studied as a minor, I studied psychology and understood that when we're early in life, before we're age five, we make emotional decisions and they're locked into our subconscious, but it's possible to go back in and rewire them. So in that moment at 18, I made the commitment to study Brad. Brad was the beaker. At the time I was in chemical engineering, I was gonna study Brad as the beaker and understand what was in my character and my emotions that made me bleed and hurt because it was awful. And I was gonna conquer it. It wasn't if. So based on that, I know no matter what, we can conquer. Oh, and the subtext is, I had the bleeding stopped in a year. I had the pain down to intermittent, like on an annual basis in about three and a half, four years. When I was 47, so 18 to 47, right? Still had episodes and had to watch my diet. I realized there was a specific memory from about age 12, 12 months. I went back in and rewired that 12 month old Brad's emotional decision. And within a year, I had no symptoms and haven't had it since. Wow. Wow. And, and I've had a cousin, uh, a second cousin, die from this colitis, die from it. So, yeah, the power of the human mind. I don't think people understand what we're capable of. We're, we're ferociously capable, and that makes me, me ferociously ambitious. And what I have to make sure is I don't have more ambition for outcomes than my clients do. Yeah. Yeah. But so when you're talking to these executives, are you listening for those little subtle things that maybe outwardly they're saying, I'm fully committed, but then they'll make those little comments off to the side that let you know that they're they not. They don't even know. They don't even have to make the little side comments. I will know. It's the strength of their voice and how they follow through and the speed that they follow through at, right? Yeah. If you're 100% full-on committed, there's nothing that gets in your way, including yourself. And that's what I watch for. Nice. And I call, them, I call them on their, on their garbage all the time. Sure. Like, what's this about and why didn't this happen this way? But as coaches, that's what we have to do, right? That's our job is to call them on carpet, say, no, 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 back up, you know, hold them accountable to right. what they, they say they're going to do and, and make sure they follow through on it. One, Not one always my, easy, but it's what we do. Yep. I, one, of, one of my newest clients, what I told her when I was introduced to her was I'm kind, I listen very, very well, and I'm a hard ass. Nice. Because I'd rather be the brick wall you learn from than mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And like you said, I mean, with your background and experience, you've, you're like the Sherpa. You've been up and down the mountain a dozen times. You know where to go. 
how to get them there safely, right? Avoid the pitfalls and everything. I think that's what people look for in a coach. They want somebody who has that experience that comes in and says, no, no, no. There's a brick wall around that corner. You can't see it yet, but here's what we need to do. Well, it's more like there's a brick wall right in front of you and your eyes are closed. Let's open your eyes up, (laughs) right? One of the things that I realized I was capable of about, well, more almost, yeah, about a decade ago, I had a client and got to him. And by the end of our three years together, I had helped him improve the gross revenue by a factor of four. And the year afterwards, with all the things I'd helped him put into place and his understanding, he multiplied his net profit by a factor of five. Nice. I made that man a millionaire. Nice. Good job. And he still yeah. talks to me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd have you on speed dial, dude. <laughs> so um, is there a certain niche you work in? Is there certain groups that you work with? Or is it anyone's? Good. Okay. Humans. Well, I'm, I'm better at business to business than I am business to consumer. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just, that was kind of what I was raised in and I'm better at the business to business. So, you know, but I require ambition and curiosity and kindness. Those three things are necessary. Not, not self-effacing. Humble is good. Self-effacing is self-destructive. And I won't put up with that either. Yeah. Yeah. Curiosity is huge. I think if you're curious, you're constantly, and I I love learning. I've got books everywhere, constantly watching, going, you know, experiencing things. Cause I think that's, that makes you a, a much rounder, you know, person. So that when you go into these different situations, you have stuff to draw from, right? You talk about the, the bat utility belt. I've had so many different jobs, so many different companies, worked as a consultant at so many different companies that I have a lot to draw from. Yep. And it's, you know, you see these people who they've only done this for their entire career and they can't look outside of what they know. And they're afraid to look outside of what they know. Well, the fear comes first, the lack of movement comes second. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So I know you do a lot of work with strategic planning. I, I think that's one of the things that businesses either get wrong or, or don't do like they should, right? They think uh, when you talk about planning, they think business plan and you only need a business plan if you're going to the bank to ask for a loan. If they've done a business plan at all, it's probably on a shelf somewhere or it's a, a doorstop or a footstool, right? They don't look at it. It should be a living document that goes on and on. But strategic planning is right now. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? kind of a, a snapshot in time, but it's, it's not just a snapshot. It's, it's the purpose is to get clarity on where you are, right? Insight on where you are right now. Isn't that the, really the main purpose behind the strategic plan? A continual current situation and future situation clarity, right? If you know where you're at and you actually know, so I'm going to describe this. The analytical mind is an is a linear words and numbers differential tool, subtractive tool. It lets you look at your hand, subtract out the hand, say, oh, that's a hand and that's a desk, right? So it's a subtraction subtraction uh, engine. The intuitive mind is a concept engine and it's a synthesis engine. 
the if you're if you're thinking in words and numbers you're using the analytical mind if you're thinking in concepts you're using the intuitive mind you know how when you wake up in the morning and you've got or in the shower for that matter and you have this idea pop in it doesn't come in in words and numbers it comes in as a concept that you know directly and so if you're in the middle of strategic planning if you're using the analytical mind and you know it's there's certain professions that tend to be that way mm -hmm. if you're then your scope and your depth of what you're looking at for your current situation is too limited and the, as a result of that i just finished writing an article yesterday or this week about that your scope for the future is too limited and the consequences will be destructive in order to use the intuitive mind that's in other words hold it in your mind go to sleep wake up think about it again and do that for about three or four days that interaction at the theta brainwave level where you are when you wake up then you'll have a deeper broader view look at it this way the gentleman bless them we're blessed with their 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 gift if you would the gentleman that built our nation's structure looked into the future and said and looked in the past and looked what are the consequences of these decisions we're making and they went back and forth and back and forth but they learned and built from their highest capable of depth and breadth and future and that's how they do they did strategic planning ferociously so i would love to be a fly on the wall in those oh, conversations that they had going back and forth on some of these things. Not probably not very pretty, but there we are. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think strategic planning is important. Um, like I said, just to get clarity, where are you? What are your what are your goals? And goals can shift and change depending on you know market conditions, depending on things that are going on in the company, but you have to have a clear vision of exactly where it is you're trying to go. Um, I forget what author it is, it talks about the North North Star. Keep your eye on that goal that way and then adjust as you need to to get there latest book i've read on strategic planning that i like a lot is good strategy bad strategy by rumelt okay r-u-m-e-l-t i've got it on my website okay go take a look at it i've got two or three quotes out of it but that's the best one i have another one for process that i've just recently so i i combine in other words you take a really good book and all the best ideas distilled out of that you take another book and all the best ideas but they don't overlap completely mm -hmm. so the other one is the four disciplines of execution yeah it is a brilliant book and if you take that and the strategic planning book and put them together you have most of the understanding the whole point of a strategic plan is to focus inspire and and draw out the energy that each one of your people in your company can bring what's their very best not the seven that they show up with every day or the eight right but the 10 at their highest level of enthusiasm and excitement what is it that it takes to draw that out of them and teach them one of the things i talk about is how do you self-inspire and if you self-inspire on a continual basis you're at the top of your energy level. And if you're not, you're not, but you're making a conscious choice to do that rather than an unconscious reactive choice. Nice. Very cool. So 
you said you wanted to be a, a, an economist. A lot of economists and business strategists right now are saying that there's a recession on the horizon. Are you seeing signs of that? Oh, I don't think it's if. I think I talked to a guy yesterday. <laughs> His, we're in it already. Okay. We just don't know it. And the only reason that we know the difference between we are in a recession and we're not is when all the indicators are there. So we've just crested the top and we're going to head back down, right? We don't want to be where we've been. It is not appropriate. Okay. Housing prices are ferociously overextended. If they come back slightly, that will be perfect. Okay. If they come back a lot, that will be okay. We'll rebuild. But the point is, if you're not paying attention, you don't know you're in a recession until you're in pain. If your situation keeps you from being in pain, then you can look at all the rest of the indicators and it won't actually feel like you're in a recession. We're already there. Mm. Um, working with your clients, are they are they prepared? Are you helping them prepare for what they need to do? Or, Well, it, it's a matter of... I can say everything I want to, but if they don't listen and don't act, right? Well, yeah. Right. So I have some of them listening and acting and some of them not. And I will get them there. I will repeat it. My job is to repeat often and with energy so that they <laughs> get it because my job is to hold them accountable to their best possible future. Sure. And so what types of things are they having to, to do to, to head this off or to prepare for this. So like you said, it, it's already kind of here. It's a little late to be talking about it now. We probably should have talked about it a month ago, but what can you, what can people do? What can businesses do right now to prepare themselves? Well, we currently have um, a recession in available labor. That started four years ago, maybe five years ago, six years ago. That started, the impulse for that was started six years ago. Did it help us in the short term? Right. But it didn't help us in the long term and it wasn't adjusted in the middle. So how I help my clients kind of adjust and pay attention is take the time to be in the opportunity now. I'm in the middle of right toward the end of a book called The 10X Rule. Okay. And he just says, you're not working hard enough if you're okay with ordinary results. And if you're not, and you, you know, if you're ambitious and you want more, find out what the outer limit of your capability is and push right out to it nice. and do it over and over and over and over again. And don't give up when there's a recession. That's the best time in the world to take over your competitors. You know, part of the yard. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Good deal. So on the podcast, we talk a lot about company culture. In fact, I had a, a oh, group of panel discussion a couple of weeks ago based on company culture. Um, what are you seeing with the clients you're working with? Are they struggling with culture and toxic cultures? No, none of them have toxic cultures. But that's because some of them are browbeat into it. Oh, okay. Like, no, you're not going to do that. Look at it this way. If you have a founder... If you'll stand back and look carefully, or a CEO, it doesn't matter, their personality 
spreads out, if you would, into the organization as the unwritten rules. Mm -hmm. And culture is the set of unwritten, agreed upon rules where things run. So if they want to change their culture, first I would have them go read the four disciplines of execution and rebuild themselves. But first start with themselves and say, who am I? That I have available on my website a list of values, and there's some traps in it, right? But it's like, print it off, write down your top, you know, 15 of those, rank yourself in them, and then say, okay, I'm going to grow in this this year. Started that when I, 1999, when I'd been uh, three years into my business, I woke up one morning and realized it's like, oh, I need to go get more clients. How are you going to do that, Brad? Well, I'm going to cold call people. How are you going to do that? Because you really swore you didn't want to ever sell again. Right. So that was when I was eight that I made that decision. <laughs> um, so I went to the library, checked out the list of all the local clients, and then got a book on sales. But what I realized was, was one afternoon, I had a really, really bad hour and a half, really bad, five calls, crush, 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 crush. And I said, stop, Brad, what are you not doing correctly? So I backed up and I said, oh, I'm giving everybody I call responsibility for my self-value. I don't even give that to my parents at that time, right? Or my wife, right? Nobody got that. But why was I giving to these strangers? So I backed up and I said, what's missing? Oh, you're missing character strength. I mean, yeah, I didn't have any. No, I had some, but not enough to push through and deal with the rejection process. So I studied character strength for the next six months to a year, ran all my major decisions through it. What am I learning about myself around character strength? What I realized was if you take each part of my life character that had strength in it, at the core of each one of those, I think of a dust bunny. If you look at a dust bunny, if you ever, you know, track them down and look at them, at the center of it, there's a single particle that started them. And so at the center of each one of my areas of strength, I had a thought, a concept that I was certain about. Okay, Brad, what am I certain about? Well, I'm certain about the alphabet. I got that down. Okay, how'd you get that? Conscious repetition. What else are you certain about? Well, the multiplication table, I got that. How'd you get that? Conscious repetition. Are you certain? Well, what else? Okay, driving. I'm certain about my ability to drive. How did you get that? Conscious repetition. So I studied certainty. And certainty is the core of who we are. Not supposition, certainty. Nice. Conscious repetition. That's right. Conscious repetition. So the biggest skill you can have is be present, be aware, make conscious choices. Even if it's, I'm going to go take a nap, right? It's a conscious choice. <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm going to go eat something. It's a conscious choice. I'm not going to do this. That's a conscious choice. Be deliberate. Be deliberate. Absolutely. I, you know, that's something we talk about all the time in the family. Every decision you make, every every choice you make, every minute of the day makes you who you are. If you don't like who you are, make different decisions, make different choices. Yep. 
be because a lot of us just kind of we let things happen. Huh. That's happened to me. I'm just going to accept that. It's like, no, be, be determined, right? Be conscious about what you're doing. What would happen? And I'm actually going to write a book about it. I have studied synchronicity. It's not if that's real. It is real. Okay. I've studied it. And there's a process that goes conscious mind, individual analytical mind, intuitive mind, then there's a juncture. And so our intuitive mind is the watch guard, if you would, for our subconscious, individual subconscious, collective subconscious or unconscious, right? It flows that way. Each moment I'm alive, my decisions flow from my mind and my will down to my individual subconscious and stay there until, as I learned from my colitis, I go back in and consciously rewire that decision. Otherwise, it's constantly dropping energy from my individual subconscious to the collective and comes back to me. I have diagrams that come back to me as the events and opportunities in my life. And if I don't like the opportunities in front of me, whose responsibility is it? It's mine. Change it. Change my decisions and then put, you know, eliminate the if and go after it. Good deal. All right, let's talk about courage. So you were a quality assurance manager, production manager, R&D manager, formulation chemist. At what point did you decide to go become a coach? Because for a lot of people leaving corporate, you know, corporate structure, corporate America um, is, is scary, right? They, they walk away from that nine to five job, the safety zone of that, the comfort, right? The safety net. That's scary for some people. Where did you find that courage to walk away and say, I'm going to create my own success? Well, this wasn't the first business that I'd started. The first one was I was in my 20s and I, it was named, if you would, Stellar Industries. Okay, nice. <laughs> um, but I was a, a wretched salesperson, horrible, horrible, horrible. So it, it had to go away. But my second wife, now an ex-wife, gave me the gift of my business now she brought me an article april of 1996 about a woman who'd gone through coach university and she said brad i was a you know a chemistry analytical consultant at the time and she said brad you need to call these people you're already doing this you might as well get paid for what you're doing so i dragged my feet for a month or so and then signed up and went to she and i went down to a seminar in San Francisco. And they said, you know, when I, and I signed up for the program, and they said, immediately, go get clients. So I did, but they were free ones, but I had to practice on somebody. Sure. So what I found was, it was effortless. Hmm. It was already built into me at my in my DNA level, where I describe it, um, I was raised, I have two sisters and two brothers. I was raised in a litter and I require people. So as a chemist, I'm in a lab by myself, maybe with one other person, and I'm not getting near enough people. So I went out and did that and I found that it was very easy for me to do to lead people and inspire people to what they could do. Awesome. 
That's how I, so but courage, did that take courage to, um, to walk away from the job to, to start that? I built up a situation where it was required that I leave. So I left and said, okay, you've got a 30 second decision here, Brad. Are you going to go back to some to work for somebody else? Or are you going to do this on your own? Well, that took me about, you know, 10 seconds to make that decision. So it took some courage. What took the courage was how am I going to make this business thrive? And what is it that I don't know how to do that I want to learn? And that was the decision that led to the dust bunny certainty conversation. Nice. Very cool. So we talk about different types of courage too, because there's intellectual courage, right? The courage to set aside your long-held beliefs and the knowledge you have to make room for new knowledge. That can be scary for some leaders. Um, the empathetic courage, social courage, saying what needs to be said, even if it goes against uh, the grain a little bit. Is there a type of courage you think is important for um, executives and leaders? First, they have to have the courage to actually be with themselves. I don't know whether you call that self-courage, right? Self-awareness yeah. courage. That's the first piece. Yeah. If you're self-aware, then you know how far into the outside world you can go. Some people live from the outside in, oh, I want nice things. I'm going to work really hard and get money and I'm going to have nice things. But that's what they need in order to feel good about themselves. Right. And what they're doing actually is they're substituting that for the process that they're unconscious or unaware of from the inside out. Have the courage to live from your core values outward, and then it won't matter. Love that. Yeah, the self-reflection. Absolutely. Self-awareness. Good deal. So uh, at Stellar Insight, you have folks working for you? Do you have a team? Um, at, the, at the moment, I not the moment, no, it's just me. You are your team. That's good. No, I um, am your team. But you've had other people in your past working. Yeah, I've had, I've had I've had other you. coaches. I've had other, you know, so it's a matter of the economy and the speed sure. of my marketing and the quality of my marketing. So I had to relearn about three years ago. I woke up and realized, oh, yeah, my marketing is not bringing me anything. Wake up, Brad, you know, the opportunities. So change your process, get out of your mold, you know, get out, you know, what are the things you would tell yourself if you were a client? Get your act together, right. right? Yeah, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you've been getting. And yep, kind of wasn't. I wasn't liking what I was getting, so it was like, okay, it's time to change. But I keep myself challenged, right? What are your goals? What are my goals, right? My goals. One of them is, bear with me. One of my goals is to coach governors. Well, you can't cold call governors for some reason. No. You know, yeah, your so, calls never get through. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For some reason, right? There's like 14 layers of, of no, 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 no. So the opportunity then is for me to build my reputation. That's the last thing in the world I want to do, right? I don't need to be rich. That's garbage. I don't want to be famous. That's completely true, right? But I want to have an impact in the world. There are things that are going on in the world that we as a human race can change, and I'm done with experiencing them. We don't need war anymore. We don't. We actually don't need dictators anymore. We don't need, you know, we, we don't need rule from one person down, even though we kind of have that. Yeah. We don't need murder. We don't need all the other 
horrific things that are going on. But we as a human being at an individual and a cultural basis across the country, across the world, need to change that. And we have to have the courage to lead ourselves to what we can be. Absolutely. So yeah, so talk about leader. What do you look for in a leader? Because I know on your website, you say something, you can turn any CEO into a legendary leader. What does that look like? What are the characteristics of a legendary leader? First, they have to have intuition. They have to have strength of character. And I look at their character. Who are they? What do they believe in? What are they willing to completely conquer the world in order to achieve? I look at their level of ambition. What's the energy behind them? What's their why? What's their purpose? And what's their purpose? I had a client and thrashed him to death on this, but he, I said, what, what's the purpose of your business for you? For you? He said, I want to make money. I said, garbage. I said more than that, but you know, <laughs> garbage. It said, it's only a tool. Now, what's that money going to get you? Oh, respect. Okay. Do you respect yourself? And we got down to the bottom of it. It wasn't there. Wow. So we had to change that in him. Am wow. I going to help him? Oh, yeah. We've wow. already we've already tripled the size of his company already. Nice. Right. And we're headed for an additional zero, which gets me excited. Because then and the way I put it to him this way is I'm going to work with you until you're a billionaire but I'm not going to have you as an asshole here with me, right? It's like being a billionaire doesn't give you the right to just run over people. I want you to be a gracious billionaire. How are we going to get you there? And then he actually started his real work. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, that's, that's important because you do see so many people that they think that gives them the right to act a certain way. It's like, no, stay humble, you know? But, well, I don't even necessarily agree with humble. Okay. What I disagree with is lack of awareness. I disagree with that. If you're aware that you're going to harm somebody, what are the consequences of your thought process and your actions? So if you're aware enough, deeply enough into yourself and you're intuitive enough to get the concepts of the world around you, you will know the consequences of your actions. I want you to be aware of the consequences of your actions. That's true leadership. If what you do is you your job, if you see your job as to paint the target, that's what the leader does, paints the target, right? Says, we're going to go this direction. How many of you really, really want that? Okay, everybody else off the bus, yeah. right? And then we're going to go for that. And my job then is to come around and talk to you and inspire you on a continual basis, find out what's important to you and line it up and not, you know, beanbags and mushies, right? right. So <laughs> not that. Right. Absolutely. Good deal. Hey, this has been this has been fun. I really appreciate your time and the conversation. If people want to learn more about you and learn about uh, the, the services you offer, um, how can they do that? What's your website? My website is Stellar Insight Inc. So there's an INC on the back, .com, StellarInsightInc.com. They can go, they can sign up for a conversation with me. I have a form there they can fill out. Um, 
and I have LinkedIn profile. Perfect. I will make sure those links are in the, the show notes. Tell me quickly about your podcast. You said you're oh, starting a new podcast. I'm starting a new podcast because in order to be, you know, I want to have governors call me, right? I want to have CEOs call <laughs> me rather than the other way around. In order to do that, I I had a friend of mine ask me, Brad, what do you know that nobody else knows? And I realized instantly what I know is how to grow and build and develop insight. So the way to describe that is the name of the podcast, and I just banked in my fifth interview yesterday, uh, so I'll be publishing it shortly. The name of the podcast is The Visionary Leader's Mind. And we're going to talk about brain structure and brain wave patterns and intuition and how to develop intuition, what it's like. Is it so? The question is, is it possible to be a visionary leader without intuition? I don't believe that's possible at all. But I'm deep enough into my process and enough, if you would, decades into my process that I'm, I'm deeper into intuition than almost anybody I have met. But I don't stop the Brad doesn't my Brad experience, if you would, this is the beaker, doesn't stop at my skin anymore. It is out. I see a book coming too. Oh, there's several. Yes. <laughs> Good. Uh, the title that I'm working with right now, playing with, is Ambition. That's the main title. And the mm -hmm. subtitle is The Mechanisms of Character, Success, and Synchronicity, Because They're Linked. Nice. Very cool. Thank you. Well, we'll definitely check back with you when those books are out and have you back on the show and talk about them. So, Brad, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being on the, on the program. Thank you for having me and uh, sharing the adventure. Absolutely. No, this is fun. All right, listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of good notes. Definitely check out StellarInsightInc.com. Um, yeah, and uh, look for the, the podcast coming out soon and books coming out soon. And Excellent. Very cool. All right, listeners, share this episode with your family, friends, colleagues, and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.